When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A product of the Whisper Forge. Sound and story brought to life. You're listening to a parody that is not affiliated with or endorsed by Supergiant Games in any way. We're just big old nerds making improv fanfiction. Rogue Runners is rated R for pretty much everything you can find in Greek mythology. Violence, assault, self-harm, offensive language, insensitive humor, and intense themes. We encourage everyone to check out our show notes and transcripts on our website at whisperforge.org. Are you ready to run? Then welcome to Volume 1 in the Blood. Upon climbing the stairs, you land in a long, luxurious gallery, lined with purple tile and gold columns. Along the wall, gold chains turn and churn in endless cycles, and just out of reach beyond the rail lining the gallery are golden gears and pistons powering the infernal machinery of hell. Along the floor, reliefs of wolves howling in profile emerge from the stone. Along the left wall, you find a low stone basin with fountain water sitting coolly still, awaiting your drink. Pelps marches straight to it, kneels before the basin, plunges his armored gauntlets into the water, and drinks deep. You see blood on his brow drip into the once pristine water. Further along the left wall, you see a well filled with a deep purple ooze. Beyond that, you see a fountain of blood pouring slowly from a tiered statue of pouring ewers. At the far edge of the gallery, you see another stairwell lit by a ghostly orange glow on the other side. Well, I don't think we can shower in this one. Rolf is going to head over to the fountain and uh, drink from it. Sure. You'll have to push Pelops out of the way because he is very greedily just like shoveling water into his himself. Uh, I'll wait. Assuming he doesn't drink all of it, right? <laughs> uh, I mean, he might. He's going at it. Arete, seeing the long line for the water fountain, goes over to drink the blood dripping from the statue instead. It's like sipping boiling water. It burns a little bit. Oh, 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 oh. Pelops, how how are you feeling? Uh, I see. Okay, I'm fine. I'm fine. All right. Yeah, I'm good. Good good good, good work back there. You you managed to uh, put out some serious damage. Uh, just want to make sure you're you're in okay shape to continue. He wipes the fountain water off his lips and he stands upright again. He says, "Yeah, good job. All right, let's go." And then he turns around and you hear his armor clanging as he just very businesslike marches to the end of the corridor and up it, the stairs. One one quick second. I I think we, we might need to have a chat here as, as a party really quick before we continue. How are you trying to stop him? It is not intimidating or aggressive in any way, shape, or form, but it's very much just like a hey 
like putting a hand on his shoulder. I want to include you in this conversation. Uh, okay, if you put a hand on his shoulder, okay, he'll yeah, he'll stop. He'll say what? I think we've been a little lost as to why we're doing what we're doing. Pelops, you are clearly on a mission. The rest of us all seem to have some as well. Now that we're here, now that we've made it and we've seen the grave danger that we've left behind, I would like to know what it is you all want and what exactly we are willing to do to get that. I feel like I've answered this question six or seven times, so I'm going to get going, and when you figure out what you want to do, you can join me. Then he turns around, annoyed, and marches up the stairs. Well, who's spitting his bean curd? And Arete will walk over to the fountain and just gingerly splash his face with the water. He's not feeling very parched. You feel like you're clawing for water because Pelops has drunk the lion's share of it. So much so that there only seems to be enough fountain water left for about one or two of you at most. Oh. How's, how's everyone feeling? 21 out of 67. Interesting scale, but I like it. Okay. <laughs> Arete pulls out um, from his bag a uh, how are you feeling thing that you would see in a modern day hospital. And he will just point to kind of like the medium face. It's just like a straight line of a mouth. Oh, yeah. I see it. Alex, how are you doing? <laughs> oh. Oh, no. All right, all right, buddy. Here you go. And Annie's going to just open her sack and pull out an old chocolate milk carton. She's going to just take the straw and she's going to hand it over to Alex. Be like, I think you really need this. And it's 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 okay to need it, too. Just want to remind you of that, okay? So Alexander is thinking of a past moment during his conquest where his entire army was thirsty and they were on this long walk. One of Alexander's soldiers under his command desperately hobbles up to him with his helmet full of water that he's been saving. And he, he tugs at Alexander's side while he's riding his horse. He tugs on Alexander's leg and he offers him the water. And uh, Alexander gets off his horse, picks up the helmet with one hand and looks at his entire army and pours the water out in front of everyone. Gets back on the horse. I mean, you can. I can share some chocolate milk with you too, if you need it. Like I need it. Anastasia, if I may have the straw. And Annie's gonna hand over that straw. I owe you. And uh, he'll put his lips to the straw and try to drink like enough, but as little as he can, so to save another drink for another person. But Alexander also gets inspiration as he sips through the straw. And then he'll hand the straw back to Annie. The little basin does the thing where it's like, you know those like really shitty like automatic faucets where if you like put your hand under it, it like stops pouring after like a second. So you try to put like new hands under it. You could probably get enough for like one more person, but you're not sure. Hey, uh, Rolf, we can hold you by the ankles and dangle you over and dunk you in by your head if you want. All right, dunk me in boys and go. Alex, give me a hand with this. And Arete walks over and grabs the left ankle. And I grab the right ankle. Oh, okay. <laughs> and together we lift him up and we slowly dunk him down. <laughs> Are you good down there? Yeah, I was feeling pretty... I was a thirsty bitch a moment ago, but now I'm feeling a little better. And Arete, with Alexandra's help, will Turn Rolf right side up. You fellows are very strong. <laughs> ah, teamwork makes the dream work. And I just want to know where your heads are at. Oh, you mean about that uh, soul in the jar? Yes. Ah, you know, strategy, baby. 
Next time we have to go through there, uh, there's only two out of three Furies left or something like that. I agree with you. In fact, assuming, again, based on what I know about Zagreus's travels, there are only three Furies. I don't know who would take their place, if anything. But if no one takes their place, we have enough jars to capture all of them. However, this could be seen as a rather antagonistic move by a lot of people. At the same time, we have been commanded to escape. To make it out. I don't know how people are going to respond to our methods, but I need to know how far you are willing to go. I would have conquered the rest of Earth if I could. I will conquer Hades as well. My my hot take on this is like, if they're gonna set up all these rules for us, and then we find creative ways of doing things, like, they asked us to do this. If they don't like the results, I mean, they told us to do it. I say we're all in, baby. Put all the chips on the table. Annie. I know we, we it, it, that whole whatever it takes kind of thing, yeah, but with these jars, we really should consider if the soul we're jarring is you know actually worthy of that only only because i just think the furies like tisiphany and 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 meg and everything they are technically just doing their job and and i know we're technically doing what it takes for us to get through to reach the top i don't i don't know i'm in a bit of a i'm just a little wary of it that's all that's all listen i i understand your concerns but when all is said and done Clearly something is going on here in Hades. The lords of the house have told us we need to leave because things are not going well. So why do they continue to stop us? I think it's because the interdepartmental memos don't go as far as they used to. The the communication system has just had an absolute breakdown. Ultimately, it just seems that we are at a crossroads and we need to figure out who we are. And I ask this question because you all clearly have more ties to this place than I do. I don't know why I'm here, and I am met with impossible walls at every step. No one wants to tell me why I'm here. I get no no explanations why we are being put through what we are being put through. I want, if we we can save Hades, we can save these souls, fix the system, give them a, a better afterlife, I'm all for that. But... It seems like I find myself at, at the hands of, of this nearly merciless system. Like like the gifts we are given when the gods do help us, they, they seem like it, it's born out of amusement more so than actual caring. At least, perhaps I'm a little too frustrated, but that is how it feels to me. And all I know is that the one person to whom I do owe genuine kindness, to whom I have a debt, the, the unfinished contract, I can't complete that here. And so at the end of the day, if all of you are in alignment, because you are the closest I have to anyone here, I'm willing to do whatever it takes. And if that means aligning ourselves with Hephaestus or Chaos or whoever it is that will help us, that's fine. But understand that if we continue down this road, we may be making far more powerful enemies. And perhaps at that point, we cannot afford to lose again. We've already been damned. How much worse can it get? (laughs) Sorry, I just have a feeling it can get a lot worse if that wasn't clear. That's just how I feel. Oh, no, uh, 
The laughter uh, was an immediate cue. But as for me, in terms of the jar, I uh, stand by what I said when I first got it. I have a very special someone in mind for this jar. And if a soul happens to just keep it warm in the meantime, I have no problem with that. But I will not be turning that jar in until I get to who I need it for. I have learned that just releasing the soul from the jar will dispel it. The jar is reusable if you are willing to destroy the soul. So, at this point, it's either she is gone forever or she is tortured for eternity. I'm just saying, if it comes down to it, that is an option. Perhaps there's another choice somewhere in the middle. Maybe something we need to talk to Nemesis about. It might be a risk. Who knows? Do what you gotta do. Are we ready to move? Oh, wait, the fountains, the other fountains. He laughs and he looks at the other fountains. Okay, yeah, you, you, you see the well of the purple ooze and you see the, the fountain of blood. What can I purchase here? Uh, how does it work, though? What do you want to roll to find out? I would like to roll Arcana. Okay. 17. With the 17, you get that for the purple well, um, if you deposit a certain number of obels in, you might get a benefit based on how many you put in. And then with the blood red fountain, you get the sense that if you drink deeply enough from it, you might be able to burn away uh, some boons that you've received and instead get obels back. Great. So we can burn away some boons and get obels in return, or we can offer up some obels and hopefully get some sort of benefit we got 105 obbles, baby, and I like our boons. Should we throw 100 obbles and see what we get? Okay. Yeah, and just toss it in. Okay. And Arete will take everything but five obbles out of storage and drop them into the purple ooze. Everybody restores 27 hit points as a bottle of life essence pours out from the well. And immediately the, the bottle opens and the essence just flies into each of you. Ooh, that was nice. That was weird. Can we go now? And Annie is gonna make her way towards the stairs and up them. Arete will follow. The air is hot and thick as the river Phlegathon burns all around you. The air is absolutely saturated with the smell of sulfur and it burns in your nose, it burns your eyes. You feel the heat rise in your face. You also notice that there is barely anywhere to stand. Nearly all of the ground that you were sure was here at once upon a time is now simply just burned away as lava. You need to carefully step wherever you go. You see a long trail that leads off to the left over a cliff's edge. To your far right, you see a long trail that you would have to hop over that leads to a raft made of bone. Who knew hell got worse? I told you. I would like to go brood over the cliffside and see what I see. You carefully hop between various platforms as you try to make your way along the left-hand trail until you finally reach a cliff's end, and you realize that you are in Asphodel. And Asphodel is comprised of these large, tiered, 
discs of lava. And you see other large discs of lava everywhere else just pouring and oozing from their sides. And they, they rise in this long kind of like tiered wedding cake style of just various discs of magma just pouring slowly. And you realize that this is the new biome that you must traverse. Make a perception check. 22. So you were not surprised by this, but you hear a loud rumbling from beneath the lava and the platform shakes underneath you as if something is quickly approaching you. What do you do? Time to go. Time to go. I head towards the raft. Okay, it's on the opposite side, so you can start making your way there. In the meantime, roll initiative. I rolled a one plus one is two. I rolled a natural 20, so 23. Annie got a seven. 10. All right, Arete, it is your turn. You are 150 feet away from the bone raft. Alternatively, there's just endless cliff and abyss right in front of you. <gasps> Ooh, as tempting as an offer as jumping off that cliff sounds. I think I've got to try to head for the bone raft. So I'm going to use my movement and I'm going to call upon Hermes and Poseidon aid me in this dash. And I'm going to use my regular movement to go 30 feet. And then I will dash as a bonus action with Hermes, which makes my dash 60 feet. And I'll do it on a wave to look cool with Poseidon. So I will go a total of 90 feet. After that, the magma begins bubbling all around you and a massive bone hydra head emerges from the magma. It's this kind of like snake skull head almost and it roars at you. And it is right up all on you, Arete, Annie, and Alexander. Then immediately attempts to bite you, Alexander, and it gets a 25. Does that hit? Yes. You take 15 piercing damage as these bone fangs just snap right into you. Minus three. Oh, thank you, yes. Yeah, remember all your boots. You're gonna need them. Make a strength saving throw. 27. As it's bitten into you, it attempts to yank you up, but you actually just kind of Superman with a car type of thing. You shove the fangs off of you again. Close enough for me to hit? Yeah. Guess I'll swing at it. Well, I got 25. That hits. Can I make that a divine smite? You can. Ares Dionysus. The first hit will do 46 damage. All right. What type of damage? I think it becomes radiant because of the divine smite. And I'm going to try and do that again. Okay. Does a 26 hit? Uh, It does. (laughs) Okay. The second one is for 39 The Hydra chomps down on Alexander the Great. He uses his shield to pry open the jaws of death from the bone Hydra. And then he's going to slash upward uh, at this bone from like underneath its head. Ares, guide my hand. And he's just slashing at the Hydra as his uh, sword glows with the radiant energy from this divine smite. So each smack is like an explosion with the sword. As you do this, everybody else sees Alexander's blade glow as he slashes into the Hydra, and it's like slashing through like a Jenga tower. Like he slashes this one vertebrae, and it goes flying, and the Hydra shortens back down onto its remaining neck, and then he slashes again, and another vertebrae goes flying, and the Hydra just realigns, slamming back down. So it's like only about half the height that it was when it first emerged from the magma. 
do you do anything else on your turn, Alexander? Yes. Now I run towards the boat, my movement, which I think is 30 feet, so I'm getting away from Rolf, hopefully. Okay, uh, it's going to make an opportunity attack at you. It gets a 22. Oh, dear. You take 15 piercing damage as it gets that chomp and make a strength saving throw. 10. You attempt to move the 30 feet away, but it bites you and it holds onto you. So you're actually still in place. Got the shield above my head as the jaws are coming down, closing me, keeping me stuck. Oh, no. Annie's going to cast Bardic Inspiration to give to Rolf because Annie knows Rolf is up next. So I really hope that helps, please. And then as my bonus action, Annie is going to dash towards the boat. Alexander, are you willing? Willing to what? To move. I'm trying. And Rolf is going to hug Alexander. And you see his eyes turn red with the blood crystal as this wave explodes from him and he casts Thunderstep with Alexander. Which means I can teleport myself with Alexander 90 feet away towards the boat. Also, Bone Hydra is going to take 3d10 thunder damage on a failed safe or half as much on a successful one. Ares, aid this step! And I'm going to increase that damage as well. And then he's also going to, as a bonus action, dash 60 feet toward the boat, so moving a total of 150 feet. The Bone Hydra must make a constitution saving throw. What is the DC? I am Blood Crystal in it, so it is a 20. All right, I could beat this. <sighs> 21. So he'll take half damage. So 18 thunder damage as Alexander and I teleport 90 feet away. All right, so... <laughs> Thunder step with Alexander away, and then you run clear all the way to the raft. So you are on the raft. You see an icon above the raft, like along like this like bone plating along the side of the raft, where there's this kind of like gondoliers paddle, and it shows an icon of a heart. Also, the Hydra looks pretty bad. Hermes and Poseidon aid me in my endeavor, and I'm going to dash as a bonus action to make it the rest of the way to the boat on a cool little wave and the wave crest will just drop me into the boat ever so gently as I land. And then I will ready an action. I am going to uh, go ahead and draw the voix and be ready for an attack should the uh, the Bone Hydra move into my immediate vicinity. Okay, it is the Hydra's turn. It is going to dip into the magma and it is going to emerge at the raft. Also, I wanna make clear the mechanism for the raft. So the way with the raft is as an action, you can basically do it just like a gate in Tartarus. So if you say, like, reactivate the raft, it is just going to take you to the next room immediately. It's not like you have to, like, roll to row the raft or the Hydra chases you or any bullshit like that. So you just have to tell me you're all on the raft and you activate the raft and that's that. So the Hydra is at the raft. It is going to attack Rolf. It crits, <gasps> which is 30 piercing damage or 27 piercing damage, I should say. <laughs> Make a strength saving throw. I rolled a seven. With my bardic inspiration, that becomes a 14. That is one shy of what you need. You are now also grappled, Rolf. <laughs> I hate this place so much. Since the Hydra entered my vicinity, that triggers your ready to action, yes. Okay, I'm gonna go ahead and do that. An eight probably doesn't hit. No, it does not. <laughs> Great. But the Hydra takes three Dionysus damage. <laughs> 
going to move and then bonus action dash at it with Poseidon and Hermes combined. And I'm going to slash at the Hydra. Does a 16 hit? It does hit. 12 damage. Uh, and he's going to go swing again. Okay. I rolled a 25. So 36 damage on this second hit. There he's just slicing at the Hydra. As you just keep slashing it down to size, like now it is just a skull right above the magma holding on to Rolf. Ah! Annie, it is your turn. Okay, Annie's gonna move 60 feet towards the raft. So she is 30 feet away from the raft. Wonderful. Rolf is going to prepare his second blood crystal as it comes out of his palm, lights up that firebolt, turns it red as it does, and he is going to cast it into the bone hydra's face that is currently has him inside of it. Alexander's putting his sword in the teeth to like crowbar Rolf out of there. Like, as he's opening it, you see him shoot a firebolt out for a grand total of 25 of 29 to hit. Okay, it hits and nothing happens. It's a firebolt to a creature emerging from magma. Again, from the river Phlegathon. I don't, I, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Okay, Rolf, that concludes your turn, Arete, it's your turn. I'm doing really great on the rolls. And it's a 14, which is one less than we needed, so. You swipe at it and you miss its head. Uh, You swipe at it again and you just barely graze it, but not enough to hurt it. Okay, so it has Rolf in its jaw. It swallows a firebolt. It picks up Rolf and it drags him straight into the magma. Now, here's what happens, Rolf. We are suspending combat for a moment. So normally at this moment, your death defiance would activate or your adrenaline auto injector would activate. However, that does not happen at this moment. Instead, you find yourself someplace far away from the heat of Asphodel, far away from the magma of Asphodel. You find yourself in a misty grove. Even though you can't see very well around you, you just get the sense that it is high, high, high above the earth. But did you ever play Skyrim? It's a very Sovngarde-like place. Like you just get the sense that it is very, very high up. It is misty and there's just various like plant life at your feet. The air seems cool and brisk. And you see a little ways up through this grove, you come across these two large arches. And from one arch, you can't see through the arch, but from one arch, you hear the sounds of violent combat. You hear swords clashing, you hear people dying, you hear like war music, like battle drums and horns playing. That is through the gate on your left. And this gate or this arch is made out of horn. The gate slash arch on your right is made out of ivory. And through that, you hear the sounds of feasting and good cheer. And you hear the sounds of what might even be old friends who have died in battle. And you immediately recognize this to be the sound of Valhalla. Through this mist on the right, which is made of ivory, you see a silhouette of an impossibly tall and muscular man. And you see his silhouette is covered in pelts, and he wears this silver helmet with these massive antlers coming out of it. And you understand that to be Odin, and he is standing at the head of this long table in Valhalla on that side of that gate. 
In the middle between these two arches, a figure of a black man with a long flowing black robe and small black spectacles approaches you with his hands folded behind his back. Even in death, the dead do not stop dreaming. Tell me, do you know how to discern true dreams from false dreams? He turns his back to you and looks out towards two large arches which form gates in the mist. Again, the gate on your left is carved from horn, and the gate on your right is carved from ivory. Pass through the correct gate and you shall emerge back into the waking world with my blessing, dreamer. Who are you? Hmm. Do you think you might recognize me? I have a feeling, though I'm not quite sure. Do you want to roll something? Yeah, I'm going to roll religion. It's a natural 20, 23. Nice. So you know that this is not a man from your religion, but you know this man to be Morpheus, the personification of dreams and dreaming. He smiles to you and he says, Though your kind do not worship me, I still guide those who dream in endless death and die in endless dreams. You have just died in combat, have you not? Do you know where those who die in combat go? I was told they went to Valhalla. Do you wish to join your kin? I do. Well, you have been slain in combat, have you not? Does that not qualify you? I no longer know what is true. How does one decipher dreams? So with your roll of 20 for religion, you also know another legend about what the Greeks believed about dreams. And they believe in something called true dreams and false dreams. And they believe that true dreams are seen through gates of horn and false dreams are seen through gates of ivory. <laughs> when does it end? When you awaken. <sighs> I suppose there's not much choice. And he walks through the gate of horn. You once more rejoin the sounds of battle. You may choose a Morpheus power boon, a Morpheus survivability boon, or a Morpheus utility boon. And this applies only to you. I will take Morpheus survivability. You have foreseen that you will overcome insurmountable odds. You gain one legendary resistance for this run. Whenever you fail a saving throw and you wish you had succeeded instead, you just say, nope, I'm using my legendary resistance here. That is very cool. Okay, thank you. So Morpheus, even though his eyes are inscrutable through his small black spectacles, you see a smile curl on his lips as you wade back into the fog of war through the Gate of Horn. And you emerge with a gasp from the lava and are thrown onto a stone platform uh, right next to the bone raft. You have not lost your death defiance, you have not even used your adrenaline auto-injector, but you are back at half of your maximum health. Okay. And this was instantaneous to everybody else. Whoa. So it it went in the lava and then... It looked like he was like spit out of the lava and crash landed next to you. Is the bone hydra still around? Yeah. As soon as you were spat back out, its head came back up above the lava. We are back to combat. It is Alexander's turn. Okay. I'm gonna finish it off. Okay. A 12 does not land. One swing and a miss. 15 is just enough, right? It is just enough. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, just describe how you kill it. Okay, yeah, so the, the head comes back up and it comes to bite at Alexander, but he stabs his sword through the top of the mouth, like going from under the roof of the mouth out, and then Alexander steps on the bottom jaw, 
and he puts his two hands on the hilt of his sword to kind of break the Hydra's jaw by pushing it up, 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 so like the mouth starts going to like a 180 degree angle to snap it in half. A voice from above says, talk about a palate swap. (laughs) As soon as you just snap the Hydra's jaw, it goes as it sinks slowly into the magma, which consumes it. And you have now felled a Hydra head. Annie's gonna run over to Rolf and make sure that he's okay. And she's like, Rolf, 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 are you still with us? Rolf? It looks like I'm going to continue to be with you for the foreseeable future. Well, you don't have to sound so happy about it. No more mistakes. You sense something off about Rolf. Not in like a he's off, just like there is some kind of, like like when you've all gotten boons, you've all collectively seen yourselves grow in power. You sense a power around Rolf that you don't recognize in everybody else. How did you get out? I would explain if I could. Morpheus was there, if you know him. Oh, yeah, he haunts my dreams. Hey, he's really good at that. Yeah. Are you all right? I'm fine. Are you sure? Like, you say fine, like, you know, like, oh, yeah, like, I'm fine, but I'm really not fine. Or, like, are you, are you just fine, like... No more mistakes. This is all there is. Battle. I escaped it in one life, yet here we are now. So if the gods want to make us fight for all of eternity, then we must do it well. I'm getting ready to put my hand on the heart thingy. Let's go. Alexander touches the heart icon on the raft, and the raft immediately starts speeding through the magma. You move past these large geysers of sulfur, and you see these large outcroppings of bone emerging from the magma in the shape of giant teeth, but like so big that you could like sit on them almost. You pass along stone ruins as if they were once standing in a field, but obviously there's just magma now, and you remember that Asphodel once used to be a meadow. This place used to be all grassy green, and now the River Phlegathon seems to just be completely overtaking it. And you get the sense that if you were to come back to this place, maybe even one escape attempt after this, there might be even less ground to stand on. So there is rapidly less and less space to maneuver through here. The raft finally stops next to kind of this small pier of stone. And you see, again, just small snaking paths of rock around you. And you see them branch off in two directions. 150 feet to your left, you see another raft. And 150 feet to your right, you see another raft. Rolf walks to the right. Rate follows. Is everybody going to the right? This can't be good. Annie's gonna follow. Rogue Runners, Volume 1, In the Blood, stars our players Nicholas Venetados as Alexander the Great, Amanda Facosta as Anastasia Pentazis, Giancarlo Herrera as Rolf Yannick, and Michael Pisani as Arete Lascaris. Dungeon mastering and NPC voices are by me, Tozaman. Cover art by Chandler Candela. Audio editing by Daniel Manning. Sound design and editing by Giancarlo Herrera. Title music by Sage GC, with vocals by Jessica Dahlgren and Sage GC. Character theme music by Giorgio Volpe. Additional music by Epidemic Sound. Transcription by 
by Eli Barasa. If you liked what you heard, we hope you'll consider helping us make future tabletop parodies of your favorite stories. You can support us at Patreon on patreon.com slash roguerunradio. Patrons get access to our community Discord channel, as well as our behind-the-scenes chat cast Out of the Blood, where we talk about everything on our minds after the episode. There are free ways to support the show, too. We hope you'll leave us a glowing review on your listening app of choice, as well as spread the good word about us on Twitter and Instagram, where you can follow us at Rogue Run Radio. We love hearing from you, so head us up there or email us at rr at whisperforge.org. We're very proud to be in the Whisperforge Collective and hope you'll check out our other shows. Get ready to run with us soon. New episodes drop every two weeks. Till next time, sinners, I'll see you in hell. Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. Hi, we're the narrators of Midst. What's Midst? It's very simple. It's a weird, surrealist, fourth-wall-breaking, reality-bending, science-fantasy space western about a small, doomed planet floating in a cosmic ocean of spooky darkness. Upon whose alien landscape, an ensemble cast of characters, including a crotchety outlaw, a freakishly virtuous cultist, and a diabolical businessman, make awful decisions and fight like hell to survive when the moon falls out of the sky and a large number of terrible things happen in rapid succession. It's exciting, it's funny, it's scary. It's got neat sound, weird music, amazing visuals, and every episode comes with bonus content you can read and examine. Midst is performed solely by yours truly as the three of us narrate all the action, play all of the characters, and bend a lot of the rules about how telling stories is normally supposed to work. Midst is pretty fun, very strange, and it feels like VR for your brain. We believe you'll enjoy it, or maybe you won't, but there's really only one way to find out. You're going to have to listen to Midst. Midst.